Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first edition of Neonatal Review, Isolette to Crit. The purpose of this podcast is to review high-yield, common topics in neonatology. While our focus is geared towards the neonatal perinatal boards, anyone learning or studying neonatology will find this podcast helpful. I will be one of your hosts for this podcast. I'm Dr. Weiner, one of the neonatologists and current medical director for the NICU at Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City, Missouri. We're located here in the heartland, and thank you for joining us. To help prepare for boards, we have a collection of neonatologists to help us along the way. All have either passed boards, been there, done that, or are currently studying for boards. Same boat as you. We are joined today by Dr. Jyoti Sharma, the other host for this podcast. She is the fellowship director here at Children's Mercy Hospital. Say hi, Dr. Sharma. Hello. She is joining us to talk about apnea prematurity and what we need to know. So take a sip of your caffeine, keep breathing, and we will all get through this together. Okay, Dr. Sharma, what do we need to know about apnea? To start, I think it's important to first define apnea prematurity. Don't you think so? Hey, Dr. Weiner, you are correct. Definition of apnea prematurity is important, especially with apnea in newborns, as we will see later. So apnea prematurity is actually a developmental disorder due to the immaturity of the respiratory control in preterm infants. Apnea is actually defined as cessation of the respiratory airflow. Maturity is defined as cessation of breathing for more than or equal to 20 seconds or a shorter respiratory pause that is associated with bradycardia, heart rate less than 100 beats per minute, with or without oxygen desaturation, cyanosis, and pella in infants less than 37 weeks gestation. This is actually the widely accepted definition of apnea of prematurity. But Dr. Sharma, clinically, don't we commonly see infants with apneic events less than 20 seconds? Dr. Weiner, you are true. In practice, many apneic events in preterm infants are less than 20 seconds because briefer pauses of 5 to 10 seconds occur frequently in preterm infants and are normal unless they result in bradycardia and hypoxemia. So if apnea prematurity is in preterm infants, what is different if a 40-week newborn infant has apnea? So there is another entity called apnea of infancy, which, which distinguishes apnea in infants who are greater than or equal to 37 weeks gestation at the onset of apnea. What is important to realize that if a 40-week-old infant has apnea, it is important to think about a pathological cause as opposed to just being due to prematurity. While apnea in term infants is uncommon, pathologic causes should be considered. Do you want to talk more about this? As I mentioned earlier, if an infant has first-time onset of apnea greater than 37 weeks gestation, it is important to think about pathological causes. And some of the differential diagnoses that we should consider are seizure disorder, infections, birth asphyxia or hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, intracranial hemorrhage or stroke. Exposure to drugs can also lead to respiratory depression. 
And of course, anatomical abnormalities like micrognathia with obstruction of the airway. How does apnea prematurity and apnea of infancy differ from just periodic breathing? Good question, because it can get confusing. Therefore, it is important to distinguish them in clinical practice. In periodic breathing, episodes are characterized by a pattern of repetitive cycles of breathing and respiratory pauses that are approximately 5 to 10 seconds in duration. The typical description is short respiratory pause with a few rapid breaths followed by a slower breaths, then another pause and the cycle repeats. It is also important to note that these pauses may be accompanied by modest oxygen desaturation and bradycardia, but they do not usually require clinical intervention. Periodic breathing is common in preterm infants, but needs to be differentiated from apnea of prematurity. And as mentioned earlier, typically periodic breathing does not require intervention. So moving back to apnea prematurity, how is the frequency of symptoms related to gestational age? The frequency of symptoms is inversely proportional to gestational age. In other words, the incidence of apnea increases with decreasing gestational age. So the more premature the infant, the higher rate of apnea of prematurity. So Dr. Sharma, since you mentioned incidence, what is the incidence of apnea prematurity? Dr. Weiner, as I mentioned earlier, the incidence is dependent on gestational age and degree of prematurity. So in very preterm infants, that is infants who are less than or equal to 28 weeks gestation, virtually all infants will develop apnea. And this is based on the review of cardiorespiratory recordings from pneumography and cardiac and pulse oximetry monitoring. The good news is 92% of apneic spells will be resolved by 37 weeks post-menstrual age in these infants. And actually 98% will have resolved by 40 weeks post-menstrual age. I do want to mention that there is a group of infants born between 24 to 28 weeks gestation who may continue to have apneic spells beyond 38 weeks post-menstrual age, which may prolong their hospitalization. And most of these infants actually do have bronchopulmonary dysplasia. But again, the good news is that even in this group of infants, the majority of cases of apnea will resolve by post-menstrual age 43 to 44 weeks gestation. So Dr. Sharma, you mentioned virtually all infants less than 28 weeks develop apnea prematurity. How about those that are greater than 28 weeks? So for infants more than 28 weeks gestation, the proportion of infants with apnea decreases. At 30 weeks gestation, the incidence of apnea is 85%, and at 34 weeks, it decreases to 20%. So now that we know how common apnea prematurity is, how does it affect hospital stay for these infants? Infants who have persistent apnea do have a longer hospitalization. So there is an association with persistent apnea and longer hospitalization. It is also important to note that there is a wide distribution in the rate of apnea amongst NICUs because of the criteria for diagnosis of apnea is very variable. 
Generally, in most infants, apnea of prematurity follows a common natural history. The most severe the events that require intervention are the first ones to resolve. Last to resolve are the isolated, spontaneously resolving bradycardic events of uncertain clinical significance. So let's shift a little bit and discuss some of the causes of apnea. Dr. Sharma, do you mind doing that? Dr. Weiner, that's actually a great segue. But before we discuss the causes of apnea, it is important to classify apnea first. And we will discuss the cause of apnea in our next podcast when we cover apnea of prematurity pathogenesis. So how do you classify apnea in newborns? Apnea is classified as central, obstructive, or mixed. What is the classification based on or due to? The classification is actually based on respiratory effort and airflow. So in central apnea, the inspiratory efforts are absent and the result in cessation of breathing effort. In obstructive apnea, the inspiratory efforts persist but are ineffective in the presence of upper airway obstruction. And this upper airway obstruction usually is at the pharyngeal level. With mixed apnea, the upper airway obstruction with inspiratory efforts either precedes or follows central apnea. So how common are all these three types of apnea in preterm infants? Most apneic spells in preterm infants are of the mixed type. In a study of physiologic recordings of 2,000 apneic episodes in 47 infants, it was shown 50% of these episodes were of the mixed type, 40% were central, and 11% obstructive. Interestingly, the longer the episode of apnea, the more likely it is the mixed type, as opposed to short respiratory pauses, which are primarily classified as central apnea. In summary, we're going to just review the definition, incidence, and classification of apnea prematurity. Dr. Sharma, do you mind summarizing these areas for us? Sure, I'll do a quick summary. So apnea of prematurity is defined as cessation of breathing for more than or equal to 20 seconds or a shorter respiratory pause, which is associated with oxygen desaturation with or without bradycardia in infants less than 37 weeks gestation. Apnea prematurity is a developmental disorder that reflects physiologic immaturity rather than a pathologic process. Apnea of infancy refers to infants who are more than or equal to 37 weeks gestation at onset of apnea and a pathologic cause should be considered. Periodic breathing is defined as repetitive cycles of breathing and respiratory pauses that are approximately 5 to 10 seconds in duration and clinically asymptomatic. Apnea is classified as central, obstructive, or mixed. Most apneic spells in preterm infants are the mixed type. The incidence of apnea increases with decreasing gestational age. So as we're wrapping up this very first podcast, let's review a few questions that will hopefully help to increase and show our knowledge in this topic. Dr. Sharma, can you help us with that? Okay, so yeah, I do have, I think, two questions. 
The first question is, apnea in neonates is defined as cessation of respiration for more than or equal to 20 seconds with accompanied desaturation and bradycardia. Which of the following statements is incorrect regarding apnea of prematurity? The choices are A. The incidence of apnea of prematurity is inversely proportional to gestational age. B. The incidence of apnea is 100% in infants less than or equal to 28 weeks gestation. Choice C. Central apnea is the most common type of neonatal apnea. Choice D. Patients with bronchopulmonary dysplasia may experience persistent apnea. Okay, Dr. Sharma, which one is it? Which one's the answer? So if we review that, we just went over A, right? We talked about how the more premature the baby, the higher the rates of apnea. And B is also correct because we did mention that almost all babies less than 28 weeks gestation will develop apnea. D is correct. Patients with bronchopulmonary dysplasia are the ones that are more likely to experience persistent apnea. C, the choice is central apnea is the most common type of neonatal apnea. As we reviewed, it is actually the mixed type. So the answer is C. Okay, Dr. Sharma, what's the next question? The following statements are correct about apnea of infancy except. So basically, which of these statements is incorrect? Choices are A. Apnea of infancy refers to infants who are more than equal to 37 weeks gestation at onset of apnea. B, a seizure disorder could be considered as a differential diagnosis for apnea of infancy. Choice C is episodes are characterized by repetitive cycles of breathing and respiratory pauses of 5 to 10 seconds in duration. And choice D is the incidence of apnea in term infants is low. Okay, I'm going to take a stab at this one and try to answer the question. I think the answer is C, that that is an incorrect statement, that episodes are characterized by repetitive cycles of breathing and respiratory pauses of 5 to 10 seconds in duration. I think it's longer. Dr. Sharma, you want to kind of explain or tell me if I'm right? Yes, Dr. Weiner, you are correct. And actually, C is the definition of periodic breathing. And all the other choices, A, B, and D, are correct about apnea of infancy. Okay, thank you, Dr. Sharma. This will wrap up our very first podcast. Hopefully this information will give you a better understanding of apnea prematurity. This is Neonatology Review, Isolate to Crib. I'm Dr. Julie Weiner, and thank you for listening. Please join us for our next podcast where we will discuss the pathogenesis of apnea prematurity and the causes.